Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. I'm Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and I watched like eight hours of wrestling yesterday. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Kid Presentable. You know, in the cumulative weekend, you watched a lot more than eight hours of wrestling. Dude, I watched so much wrestling. I'm going to do the math in my head while I do this. Uh, And finally, last but not least, man who watched his first ever WrestleMania, I think, or at least enough to some of it until he fell asleep. Lavender Gooms. Uh, not my first WrestleMania, Bobby. I was a child at some point in my life, uh, but for sure the first WrestleMania I have actually watched live since maybe WrestleMania 8? Yeah, is that eight. a good one, Bob? I don't remember 8. Is it a problem that I know exactly what happened at WrestleMania 8? Like, that's still... Uh, all the way to WrestleMania, like, 18. I can tell you, like, the top two, the, like, the major matches. Please give it to us, Bob. Which one was eight? WrestleMania eight? WrestleMania eight was main evented for no reason at all by Hulk Hogan and Sid Justice. I say no reason at all because the actual heavyweight title fight was between Macho Man Randy Savage and Ric Flair. A goddamn classic. A feud predicated on the fact that Ric Flair learned Photoshop back in 1993 and was talking about hooking up with Miss Elizabeth, and Mach wasn't having it. Also, in the main event of Hogan versus Sid, um, Hogan hits the big boot leg drop, but goddamn uh, Papa Shango's way too late to interfere, so Sid has to kick out of the leg drop, ruining the whole thing. Anyway. Oh, Papa Shango. Papa Shango. You guys can meet Papa Shango if you visit the Cheetah's Gentleman's Establishment in Las Vegas, Nevada. He's also known as the Godfather. Um, Bob, you got a good memory of wrestling. When did Sid break his leg like... Anderson Silva horrifically. You mean that like that video we watched maybe 300 times because there was no sound and we could stomach it still? Um, right at the end of WCW, like one of the last two pay-per-views, like Super Brawl or Sold Out or whatever. 2001, long story short. The, f- the first two or three months of 2001 is when Sid's leg snapped like a twig. And for some reason, giant Sid is jumping off the top rope. That might have been your first comment where you're like, what was Sid going to do from the top rope? Good questions. Anyway, I think we've already talked too much about wrestling. Boy, are you in for a treat. Yeah, pretty much the second half of this podcast. But um, let's talk about MMA first. Now, I'm going to go some full disclosure with the people here. I have pretty much ceased consuming MMA media um, the last like two months. It's a bit hypocritical for a man with a podcast. So please keep listening. Um, If nothing else, for Mark's video game takes and me and Stefan talking about wrestling. Uh, and Mike's wonderful quips in the middle about TV shows on the CW. Um, so when I saw that Khabib and Connor got into some new pissing match, one which we decided, everybody decided, we things have gone too far. I don't really care. And this is not going to be the podcast where we litigate what people can or can't say. Also because, as Mike and I discussed a few minutes ago, I would 100% piss everybody off. And I'm not trying to do that right now and offend anybody and their religious beliefs. So, instead, we're going to talk about this title, this fight card happening this weekend with two fake title fights. Um, 
But first, Artem Lobov fought in a bare knuckle match. And Mike, did you see the man's face afterwards? Uh, it, it looks like he lost that fight. Oh, no, you didn't see the other guy. The other guy looked just as fucked up. You, you didn't know no, how many. No, 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 it looks like they both lost. Yeah, it was a bloody, bloody goddamn battle at bare knuckle fighting championships. Artem Lobov beat Jason, uh, the kid Knight. Um, one of my favorite, now former UFC fighters, I didn't know they even cut him. Because his nickname, people were calling him, was Hick Diaz. Hick. Because he's a southern boy and he fought like a Diaz brother. Um, Artem gets to f- get his ass whooped by Pauli Malinaji in a bare knuckle fight. Is that really happening? That's really happening, I guess. Which that would be fun. <laughs> man, is it only stri- is it only hand striking in this thing? Like, can Artem kick? Because uh, yeah, Bobby, it's bare knuckle boxing. It's not bare knuckle it, boxing. It's, it's bare knuckle fighting. Fun. It's called bare knuckle fighting. It doesn't say bare knuckle boxing. So I'm wondering, can he throw I don't kicks? Think they can kick, because whatever, <laughs> he's gonna die. Like Pauli Malinaji might be old, but Pauli Malinaji, Mike, is gonna fuck up Artem Lobov's world. I think Bobby, they should have bare knuckles, but extremely padded shits. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, seriously, like, you're I mean, you're also forgetting one, one important thing. Uh, Pauli Malinaji has never fought in a man like Artem Lobov. I mean, he's never, baby. Okay, he's never faced the goat. I mean, let me go to a man with some more logic. Stefan, I mean, he's going to get hurt bad, right? Like, am, am I missing something? It's going to go really bad. I mean, this is the uh, this is the start of blood sport, right? Where, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chong Lee. He, he, he wrecks. He hospitalizes uh, the, the big southern guy with the uh, Confederate bandana. Yeah. And then Van Damme, who is the Connor parable here, has to avenge him because, you know, Van Damme was too good to take that Sean Lee fight. But once once you hospitalize the man's best friend, uh, that's kind of how this is playing out. I see it. Um, is Connor going to do that? I mean, absolutely not. But, yeah, we're still going to get the uh, hospitalized friend aspect of it. Yeah. Anyway, um Mark and I still have a massive credit for Fight TV, and we did not order this. Maybe we'll order Polly Malinaji and... Uh... Yeah, that sounds interesting. And we, did, we didn't order Frank Mir wrestling his first pro wrestling match against Dan Severin. And then afterwards, calling out Brock Lesnar, which I'm like, Frank's following Brock to other sports. That's what we're doing now. Um that money. Hey, man. Uh, since we're, we're on the MMA portion, uh, can I just say is... Oh, um. Cool. Uh, the, MMA the, MMA pod- the MMA portion yeah, of the yeah. MMA podcast. The MMA portion of the MMA podcast. Of this soon to be uh, a variety of other pop cultural <laughs> references podcast. Um, can I just uh, do a tip of the hat to Paul Heyman and his delicious wordplay at WrestleMania, where he said, "After this match, we are going to Las Vegas, where my client is ultimately more appreciated." And, that was. Uh, I just like that. That was I like wonderful. That I do appreciate where they're like, Brock, you're not the main event. Um, maybe we want you to go on towards the end. Brock's like, nope, first match. All right. Uh, Brock, Brock, if I'm not the main event, then I'm the first match so I can leave. It's like, Brock, okay, maybe we'll have a back and forth. He'll hit you with some stuff. Brock's like, nope, he's going to punch me in the dick, hit me with three finishers, I'm going home. <laughs> and that's what happened. We'll get to Mania later, but I just, Brock, Brock had shit to do, okay? Okay, Brock's got a farm. People aren't going to feed the goats if Brock's not there. Simple as that. Um, Did I get back in that testing pool, baby? He has been in the testing pool, actually. He looked... We're going to get to it. Brock looked good, man. Brock looked lean, and he didn't look, like, deflated. He looked like he looked like UFC Brock to me. I'm like, oh, okay. He's on fewer stuff. Um, 
Anyway, um, we made fun of this title for this this championship of this two, of this two fake championship card. But um, in fairness, Marcus, these are two crackerjack fights, man. Like for you and me, we don't care if there's a belt on the line. Never, yeah, <laughs> the quality of the fights is never in question. What what they're technically fighting for is very much debatable, and there's a lot of questions around it. But yeah, these are two high, you know, caliber quality matches, which. You know, given more time, they could have legitimately been fighting for a legit belt. But, you know, we're pushing it a little soon and we're getting some fake belts out there. But still, really fun fight. My, my favorite part is that Max Holloway is the featherweight champion. Dustin Poirier has beat him before at featherweight. I really think if they asked Dustin Poirier, do you want a title shot at 145? He would have been like, yeah, okay. We could have had a real title fight. Just say it, It's very weird. I, I don't know if Max doesn't want to do 40. Maybe he doesn't want to be in 45 anymore. I don't know why this is happening at this weight class because you're right like it would make a lot of sense just to have them fight for the 45 legitimate belt but maybe they also don't want max to lose that belt if he goes up i don't know there's don't a know. lot of yeah, weird I, questions that we have no answers it's pretty much max got like frankie edgar to fight right now and that's really it um there's a uh, yeah uh, max and dustin poirier for the interim lightweight title once khabib comes back from ramadan or someone getting suspended or his walkabout whatever Khabib's going to fight the winner in theory, or maybe Tony Ferguson, or maybe Connor, or maybe Nate Diaz. Fuck this weight class and what the UFC's done to this goddamn sport. Um, Kelvin Gastelum and Israel Adesanya are fighting for the middleweight interim championship, um, which Kelvin has already proclaimed himself the actual champion. So what's even the point of this one? Uh, rest of the card is, quite frankly, a bunch of fights that, while on paper should be solid, is probably not something we should be asked to pay for. Notably, OSP versus Nikita Krylov, Marcus, which right before the podcast started, I said, I feel this has happened before. And? It, it has. And I, I wonder if we're getting to the critical mass of where every light heavyweight fighter has fought everybody at least once. <laughs> and we can just safely assume from going forward, this is at least a rematch, if not a trilogy fight. Now, um, considering none of us remembered this fight, I'm going to say it's a safe bet. It wasn't a very entertaining fight. I mean, I remembered enough that I saw the two names next to each other at one point. <laughs> the ending seemed memorable. What did he get him with? What do you think he got him with? The Von Flew choke? Oh, God. <laughs> um, also, yeah, let's just get into these picks. Um, main event for the interim UFC lightweight championship. And what will be yet another man fighting for the interim light for fighting for an interim lightweight championship? Max Blessed Holloway, the featherweight champion of the world, trying to avenge a loss against the man who who he faced in his UFC debut when Max, well, I want to say, was like 19 years old. He took on Dustin Poirier, who quite frankly wasn't all that old himself at the time. Back in 2012, um, Max lost by a pretty sweet triangle armbar, a mounted triangle armbar that I actually remember that one. Um, I got a pretty negative memory of this card because it was Nate, uh, Nick Diaz versus Carlos Condit. But then afterwards, we went to see Chronicle, and we all had a good time. Go see Chronicle. Um, Stefan, what are the betting odds for this fight? Got Max Holloway coming in as a favorite, obviously, at minus 225 to Dustin Poirier's plus 185. It's actually a much closer line than I would have guessed. Well, I mean, you got a man. I mean, Dustin's involved. Dustin's become a much better fighter. Seems like 55 is a better weight class for him. He does have a win over Max. Um, granted, six, seven years ago, it took him about three minutes. That being said, Max Holloway is 
fighting on a totally different level. Um, he's very smart. He beat Jose Aldo twice for the love of God. Um, fought him one way and fought him the opposite way the other time. Um, he's I not picking against Max Holloway in fights right now, pretty much. Uh, Stefan, what do you got? Uh, yeah, it's Max Holloway to me, and it's not even close. The fact that Dustin has a win over him is completely irrelevant at this point. Uh, when you look at most of the greats throughout the history of MMA, a lot of them have early submission losses. It's just one of the, you know, kind of learning things that a lot of fighters have to go through in this. Um, and yeah, you know, Dustin, to his credit, he 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 was really on the cusp of um, a title shot anyways, you know, as questionable as this interim belt in particular is. Um, but at the same time, we've seen he he's much more hittable than Max, and his chin is much more susceptible than Max. One thing we've seen is Max can take a hell of a shot, and he outputs at a volume uh, here to unforeseen from man. Uh, his output against Ortiz was, I don't even call it next Ortega? level because that's selling it short. Or sorry, or, uh, Ortega, my bad. But um, yeah, Holloway is truly on another level right now, and I expect him to win in dominating fashion. Marcus, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat, but I would just say I, I think Dustin's a very live uh, you know, underdog in this fight. I think there is a very good chance that he could pull off, you know, well, maybe considered a minor upset. Um, I think really when you look at both these guys, they have both gotten a lot better since that first fight. And I think really, I think all of our takeaways, and we'll get Mike's, Mike's take on this too, um, is just that Max has improved a lot more. He's taken a bigger leaps in his game, especially with his stand-up and his footwork and how he's been able to neutralize his opponents and just out work them strike wise i mean what wasn't like like steph was mentioning that ortega fight i think it was like wasn't like the most significant strikes there's some crazy statistic with it just about like how many punches max was throwing in it but um i think dustin's going to be game and i think if these guys stand it's going to be a really closely contested fight I, I just i feel max has taken some defensive measures with his footwork and being able to slot in and out use shoulder rolls when he's in the pocket that he's going to have a little bit more success. But I'm not going to be shocked if Dustin finds a big kick or punch or catches Max uh, coming in. Um, but it's just he's looked so great. It, it's And that's that's really where I come picking on this one. It's just Max has looked so phenomenal in his last fights. And even though Dustin has as well, they just haven't quite been to that caliber where, you know, Dustin wasn't beating the best guys in his division. He was beating fantastic guys like Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez. Those are fucking fantastic names to have on your win column. Um, I just think Max is potentially going to be too much, but I think it's going to be a really close fight, a really fun fight, um, and totally worthy of this main event spot. I mean, yeah, I mean, Dustin, not to diminish him with what me and Stefan said, he was, he is a top five lightweight, and that is arguably the best division in MMA. But uh, so far, all of us for uh, for blessed. Mike? Yeah, it's going to be a clean sweep on this one. Um I know normally I think I'm the one that will, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, uh, defecate on um, the other person. I'm trying not to curse for Lent, so I really had to think of a different word. Is that better? I don't know. Sugar honey iced tea. Um, but, you know, I you, you can't say that um, Dustin Poirier beat Max Holloway. He beat, 19, uh, he beat a 19-year-old kid who was just starting his UFC career. Max Holloway is not that fighter anymore at this point. If Max Holloway was level one at that point, he's at level 100 now. And let's say Dustin Poirier was at level 50 at that fight. And now he's, you know, like 85, 
90. That's still respectable. It's a good, uh, it's a good improvement, but still not the level that Max Holloway is. Michael, game I, you playing? This is a hell of a level cap. Uh, how how long you got to grind in this game of yours? I mean, yo, seven years. Come on, you need you need seven years to get to a hun- to level 100 in a JRPG stuff. On, come on, come on, man, get it together. This is like barely an MMA podcast still. <laughs> um, I think I think Poirier has a puncher's chance if it stays on the feet. Um, he's uh, as as Mark said, he's a live dog, but um, I think Max will win this fight going away starting in the third round um he'll get dustin's poirier down and really start to take start start to take it to him then man i like when we're just all so cocksure about something and then we just fuck it up it's great this is the same podcast that all of us went one and three in our last fight fix you know what god bless justin gaethje stefan huh he's all we had um co-main event kelvin gastelum against uh israel adesanya israel adesanya trying to become the second nigerian to hold the belt because we got uh we got kamaru now right we got a we have another african champion i think I, I think izzy's from nigeria someone correct me if i'm wrong please i thought he was You're right i believe so um thing last time That's uh, like a gimmick yeah adesanya stefan is he the betting favorite Uh, sorry, he is at minus one seventy five to plus one fifty five for Kelvin Gastelum. Um, I think I was a little surprised he was the favorite personally, because of uh, Kelvin being a, as good a grappler he is, um, and Izzy showing ability to stuff some takedowns. But you know, we've also seen fights where Izzy didn't do so great there. Um, I think twenty five minutes is too much to ask for Kelvin Gastelum's gas tank. Even at 185. Um, that being said, I'm never, I mean, Izzy and Anderson went three rounds. So I don't think I've ever seen him go five anyway. Basically, I'm picking Adesanya because I want him to win. I'm more interested in Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker now than Kelvin Gastelum versus Robert Whitaker. So I got Adesanya. Mark, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Kelvin uh, Gastelum. It is mostly kind of what, what you mentioned. I, I like the angle that this guy can kind of wrestle. Um, Israel, we have, I mean, one, and the other thing I, I feel more comfortable picking Gastelum is that I've seen him fight really high competition and Israel's has Very some good, good point. has some good names. I mean Anderson's Anderson in 2019, I was going to say isn't too bad, but it's really not the same scalp it was. It's a little molded now. It doesn't quite look good on the shelf. And then I mean, you look at the other guys like Derek Brunson, that's not bad. Brad Tavares, that's not bad, but these aren't the guys that held the belt. These aren't the uh Souzas these aren't the Bisbings, you know. Um, I just when I'm just looking at the records, I'm like, okay, you know, he has some losses here. He lost to Wyman. He had a no had a, uh, um, no contest with Belford. He has some, you know, losses against Woodley and Magny. And the Magny. This ones, is kind I, of the, this kind is of, Marcus. This is kind of the fight he loses always. He gets right to the edge. It seems like a lot of times. So yeah, that's, it, that's it, not worry too. It's just stylistically. He has potentially an edge in the wrestling game, which I think might be he might be able to exploit Israel. Um, and then the other thing is just like Israel's, you know, his um, his portfolio of work just doesn't quite impress me as much, even though, you know, it's pretty much flawed. He is undefeated, right? Did he ever lose? I think he's undefeated, or at least in the UFC. Is he's um, undefeated, yeah. 
which is which is which is fantastic. You know, the dude's never taste defeat. Calvin definitely has. And like you said, Bobby, a lot of times he'll stumble at those key moments where he's either about to get a title shot or is in the conversation um, of that. But I just feel more comfortable with uh, Calvin. Not to say Israel can't do it. The dude's a phenomenal striker. I just haven't seen the full game and seeing him really tested to be super confident. But yeah, yes, I'm going this, I mean, we've reached a portion of this card where every fight's going to be like us thinking like, uh, you know, it's very much a, the betting odds are all very close for a reason here. Michael, what do you got? Yeah. You know, I, this fight is going to come down to one key element. Um, we've seen it tested a bit before for Israel Adesanya when it comes to his takedown defense. And, with this fight, it's going to come down to can he stay on his feet against Kelvin Gastelum? Um, most likely, I think the best wrestler he's probably faced so far. Um, that's what it's going to come down to because if he can keep his standing, obviously Adesanya has the advantage. And while personally and as a fan, I would like to see him win this fight so we could see him against Bobby Knuckles, I think that would be a great stylistic match matchup. If I'm going to go tactically, I mean, he's shown some ability to keep it upright, but against far less capable wrestlers, I've seen him struggle a bit. And unless he's made leaps and bounds in his uh, takedown defense, which I don't know how much he'd be able to make, considering he's, what, 29, 30. He's not exactly a spring chicken out of Sanya. Uh, I don't think he'll be able to keep... Gas him off of him. So, sadly, I, I think I'm going to have to go gas him. I think he's going to get this fight. Steph, uh, turning point for me with Israel Adesanya was the fight actually with Brad Tavares because he beat Brad Tavares' ass for a long time and did it consistently. And Brad Tavares, as we know, is pretty much just made of goddamn oak. Just tough as hell. Um, enough so for me that a performance is good enough for me to just roll with him on this one. Kind of just hoping he's got takedown defense. What do you think, man? Do you think Kelvin gets it done here, or are we going to get ourselves? Is he going to get a belt here? I mean, is he might surprise us, but um, I'm I've been uh, I was actually surprised to see him as the favorite because kind of anticipating this fight, I heavily lean Kelvin. Um, I think he has far more avenues. He has a more skill, uh, complete skill set. Um, you know, people have compared Israel to Connor. And that might possibly be an apt comparison. There's a chance he gets exposed. Um, he, you say, I, I, as someone said, he's shown good takedown defense. Has he? Well, who was a good wrestler he fought? Like, I don't, I don't really, you know. I mean, like, Brun I Brun Brun Brunson, Brunson hunted immediately and got nothing. Kelvin's not blast doubling people, too, and he runs out of gas in the third round of every fight. Br I mean, look, I, to be clear, by the way, I think you guys, I think 100%. Uh, Kelvin should be the favorite. I think a lot of hype is around here, too. I mean, the thing is, you can give credit to Brunson as a wrestler. His weakness is Brunson fights one of two ways. He only wants to swing or he only wants to wrestle. Brunson can't mix things up very well at all, and that's why he has been very exposed in his fights. Um, Kelvin mixes up really well. He's got tremendously fast hands. Um, as raw as he's been, as wild as he's gotten, as much Wait says he's missed. He has always shown really good hand speed, and that's why I always thought he was a prospect coming out of a tough. I remember identifying him on tough. Like I think this is the best actual prospect tough has seen in like fifteen seasons because they've God knows how many seasons they've run of that show. But um, yeah, I, I like Kelvin a lot more in this. Um, 
Anderson Silva in 2019, I was really let down by Israel's performance in that. Um, yeah, you can say you respect his striking, but he still, for doing that, he he really didn't show very much to me. Um, the fact that he couldn't mix it up, like, the, the, I get really disappointed in guys that were like, well, if you don't fight me exactly how I want to fight, then boy, do my fights look disappointing. I don't like that in a fighter, and Israel's shown that. So he could surprise me, but I kind of just think he might be like a Connor. He's he's very flashy and awesome when he is, but when you bring the hard counter to his skill set, he doesn't have an answer to it. Um, and that's kind of what I expect to see here. My logic, and again, I there's a reason Kelvin. I think Kelvin should be the favorite. My logic is I think they're still going to be fighting by round four. And I think one of them is going to be more apt to handle that. I could be totally wrong, though. Um, but the thing is, if, if Kelvin's winning his fight in wrestling... You think Adesanya's got that much? I mean, I'm, 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 I remember watching. I remember watching Kelvin Gastelum just beat the crap and take down at will Neil Magny for two plus rounds, and then have nothing. And then I remember thinking, like, what? What happened? And again, I don't have a five round fight for Israel. I told you from the beginning. Also, I just kind of want it. I, I uh, was also excited. His fight against Brad was actually five rounds. Oh, there we go. Brad and five. He put his ass for five rounds. That was an event for a thing. I think if you bought tickets for that, I feel like I must. these must be free. Or I I, I literally... Man, you know handing out ass whoopings isn't tiring, all right? You can do that for five rounds. That's true. That is very true. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I was also very excited for Kelvin and Bobby Knuckles. I just want to see Bobby Knuckles fight, man. This belt isn't necessary. I'm going to say this also. If one of these four people is going to miss this card, I got my uh, the, the, the heavy favorite is Kelvin Gastelum. In terms of fucked up stuff happening and him missing a card, he's number one on the list here. All okay. the all, all the uh, all the caca that he has talked, you know, walking around with a fake belt, he can't miss this card. He walked around with a fake belt and, like, staff on his face. That was a... V- that was not a good look. That was like I remember Connor said, like, what is wrong with him? He's he's got his he's got his disgusting face on one of our beautiful titles or something. <laughs> <laughs> that was just like that's an interesting take, Connor. Um anyway, um Khalil Roundtree. Uh there's a drop off. Khalil Roundtree Jr. versus Eric Anders. Betting odds for this one is somebody tell me something. I got minus 190 Eric Anders, plus 165 Khalil Roundtree. But let's be honest, a little bit of a coin toss. I mean, first, let's go to Stefan first because I want to hear Stefan justify picking against one of, like, the only Filipinos in the UFC. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, partially, yeah. I, I, I'm not impressed by Eric Anders. Like, I'm I, impressed by his physique. The man's yoked. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he has explosive athleticism I've seen, so it's like, he got moments there. He gasses easily. Him losing that split decision to Elias Teodoro, that, that took some steam off. I like Elias, but like he's he's pretty mediocre across the board. He's not particularly good at anything. They're actually both yeah, coming he, off of losses to actually no, one of them's coming off of a loss to Elias Teodoro. The other one's coming off of Johnny Walker dusting him in two minutes. I mean, we can appreciate that, right? Johnny Walker's dusting everybody, including his own shoulder when he dances. Um yeah, I, I, I like Roundtree. I mean, when Roundtree looks good, he's super explosive. He has dynamite in his hands. When uh, Anders is good, it, it uh, nothing's wowed me from him yet. So I just I haven't been impressed. But, you know, Roundtree hasn't really ascended to some higher level. So if he loses, he loses. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking Roundtree. I've just been more impressive in his win- more impressed in his wins. I got a... Uh... 
I got uh, Eric Anders because of that time when he guy was getting up and he head kicked the guy, and it was like a split. I was watching with Mark. It was borderline illegal head kick, but that was awesome. And I, I don't know, man. I think if someone's gonna end the fight, I think it's gonna be Eric Anders. I think they're both gonna be tired if they get to the second round. I'll, can I predict that? Because we, we all know that's the case. Mark, what do you got? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm going with uh, Roundtree uh, as well, and, and and I think this is where their skill level at this is not a bad fight i think these guys are kind of evenly matched you know they like to go out there and bang they're not like super well-rounded where it's like they can be anywhere in the fight and they're super comfortable i think these guys both like to stand up and bang i think that's what we're mostly going to see here um and i'm giving a little bit of edge to roundtree just because he's always fought at light heavyweight he's a light heavyweight fighter and anders has been kind of Going back and forth between weight divisions, he hasn't really found his home. I don't think he feels super steady. His performances, like Stefan mentioned, haven't been super impressive. Um, I think it's going to be a, a closely contested fight, um, and, and it is kind of anyone's game. I, it is tough to draw a line here because they're both been kind of inconsistent. Right? They neither one of them have really shown anything to at least for me to be like, okay, this is something they can work off of. This is a skill set that they can build off of and make something out of. So far, it's just been like these are two tough guys. And they go out there and, you know, they, they, they put it on the line and they they go out there to, you know, put on a show. And I thought the Roundtree uh, victory over Gokan Saki was somewhat surprising. So we know that this dude, at least in the very least, has confidence in himself when people don't. Because I didn't I thought he was going to get fucking chewed up against uh, Saki, especially if they're standing and he knocked him out pretty quickly. So um, I think it's going to be a closely contested fight. It might be a little sloppy. I can see these guys getting tired and it being kind of a lackluster decision after the first round, but um, I just like round three by a slight margin here. As we get further away from that Gokan Saki win, I mean, let's look back with some with some hindsight. Um, they were just slanging and banging in that fight. All right, there was not an ounce of skill to be seen in that fight. Oh okay? yeah, but he he got a slanging and banging and he won. That I just a lot. That, that was also. Slinging and banging victory. That's when we sat down and my little brother turned to me and said, "Did we already lose money?" And I said, "Yes, we did." <laughs> um, and and also, um, it's very kind of Mark to describe Cleo Roundtree as um, not as well rounded. Um, that's 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 very nice of you to to say that. Um, I don't need dude coming knocking on my door. <laughs> showing me, hey, let me show you a couple rounds of wrestling here. I'm like, no, nah, brother, you got it. You're good. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, Mike, make your pick. (laughs) With with that said, I don't think this is going to be a very technical fight between these two. Um, I think someone's going to get knocked out in the first round, and I'm going to go with Roundtree. But frankly, it could be the other way around. Man, I'm 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 either going to be way ahead or just dead last when this fucking card's over. Man, (laughs) you're going to break even, Bobby. One of these will pan out. Yeah. Um, we all made our picks here, right? Or we, we 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 gave Bobby the favorite in both of those. So. Yes, I'm realizing that too now. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh, Alan Joban, the man who promised to bring the fashion industry fashion industry right. Well, yeah, he's bringing fashion week to the UFC. I'm still waiting for that to happen. By the uh, way, gonna take on Dwight. No Wikipedia page. Grant. Um, Alan Juban is coming off of a win over. He knocked out Ben Saunders a year ago. Has he not fought in a year? That handsome man hasn't been in the cage for a year. Damn, Ben Saunders is 37. I mean, that's your takeaway here? Okay. Um, He's so pretty. Dwight Grant, the body snatcher, is 34 years old. Um, The betting odds for this one, Stefan? 
It's really close for me not knowing who the hell one of these guys is. It's minus 115, Alan Joe Ban, minus 105, Dwight Grant. See, I'm going to take Dwight Grant because that betting line is there for a reason. And he, I found a tapology page for him because I didn't even make it to share dog. And apparently Mr. Dwight Grant is a member of the American Kickboxing Academy. And while that didn't work out so well with Justin Willis last week or a couple weeks ago, this man looks like he's got abs and he's in shape. So, and he was on the Contender Series, and the Contender Series generally these guys don't suck. What type of what type of analysis is that? He has abs and looks like he's in shape. They're, Big, pro- they're yeah, professional yeah, fighters, yeah, Bobby. They all have abs. Man, when he's going against the handsome man, who's That's, definitely an in shape. I already took Eric Anders because he's yoked. I'm gonna take I, this guy too. I got, I got Ben Rothwell and Daniel Corbier. They all have abs in the UFC. You know what? Fucking big, pretty Justin Willis doesn't. Um, I'm going to take uh, Dwight Grant because, quite frankly, it's April still. And if I really dig myself, put myself in a hole here, I can dig myself out of it maybe in the next eight months. Also, fuck, man. Alan Joban, every one of his fights, you flip a coin. It's, at the end, they just That's say, just, at the end, they're like, the winner is. And you're like, I think Joban maybe won. And then half the time, you're right. So I got Dwight Grant. Let me pick next because I want to start a trend on this uh, episode. Go Let's ahead. all leave Bobby alone on an island on every one of these fights. <laughs> I am 100% um, okay with this, guys. Go ahead. Because <laughs> I know Mark is going to say he's going to take Joe Ban because he knows who he is. That's that's the Mark. You know what? All you guys have it. Who this other guy is. So I'm just going to keep it clean. I'm going to take the handsome man. I'm just going to say you guys have an opportunity now. If we're going to do this, you all need to pick Dustin Poirier retroactively. Nah, 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 we good. We're starting from Adesanya, uh, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> Mike, what you got? Um, I always like to think that I'm living in a movie, and in any movie, the handsome man always wins. So, Alan Joban. <laughs> that was the dumbest thing ever, and I just picked the guy because of abs. Mark. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not picking him because I did counter research, Bobby. Look up his share dog picture and just the picture. And that dude is in the Bellator cage, and he doesn't look like they just took a towel off his head and like, "Whoa, I'm in a cage." He looks like I don't know where I am, what I'm doing, or what I'm here for. Um, and that's ultimately why I went with Alan Jaban. To be fair, I looked this up much earlier, and I really hated Stefan. Really called me out. He kind of picked my whole <laughs> picking method here. So I did look him up because I was like, you know what? I'm really bad with names. This name sounded really familiar. Honestly, I thought he was a white guy for some reason. There's some other. You know Grant what? There was, there was there was another guy, something Grant, that was on the Ultimate Fighter yeah. when Misha and Ronda were coaching, and he was that, good. That's what I was. I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, is this, this guy? You're, you're so also I, probably thinking of Dwight Schrute from The Office. No, maybe. there was no, a guy. No, 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 white, white. No, this kid's might name. This kid's name might have been Dwight Grant too. Like I, I know what Mark's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Right there was some other Grant guy, and I was like, oh, he looked pretty good. Is this the same guy? And didn't have a Wikipedia page. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna look him up proper and i see this picture where he has his eyebrows raised i was like oh boy this guy i don't know if he's if he really has his heart in this or not um so i'm going out alan joban mike did you parody pick alan joban or yeah remember um i'm gonna make this easy for you guys nikita krylov and jace and uh i was gonna say jason von flew um oh wait oh vince saint prue they're going to do it again, brother. Uh, the first time these gentlemen fought... Somebody tell me. <laughs> I already closed this Wikipedia page. Uh, the first time these guys fought was... None of you are telling me. Way to go, team. I don't know, Bobby. <laughs> Nikita Krylov. They fought uh, back in 2014 by Von Fluchok. It was uh, it was Nikita Krylov's first light heavyweight fight. Um, OSP... 
is coming off of two of of losing to Dominic Reyes. He's lost two of three. Uh, in between two losses, he beat Tyson Pedro. Nikita Krylov snapped a five, four fight winning streak by getting arm triangled by Jan Blockowitz. Um, I'm gonna take the guy who lost the first time they fought. I'm taking Nikita Krylov because I still think Nikita Krylov can be something here. And it's not that OSP. I mean, OSP kind of is what he is at this point. I know Krylov's had a lot of fights, but he's only 27 years old. He really, when he came back to the UFC, um, when, well, he lost. But when he came back, uh, you know, you saw some of his stuff he was doing in uh, Russia. He kind of went from having the uh, Al Capone nickname because of his Share Dog page to having a much more boring name in the minor. Made me think he's taking this shit more seriously. I don't trust picking OSP ever. Ever. There are times when OSP fights and I wonder, I don't think he knows what he's doing. And then there's other times where he just puts a guy away quickly and you're like, man, look at the fucking, you know, hands. Look at the athleticism. Um, he's what, 35, 36 years old? OSP kind of is who OSP is. I think in that time since they fought the first time, Nikita Krylov's gotten better. So I'm going to take Krylov winning here. If you guys want to go ahead and jump on the other side, let me know. Bob, I mean... I wanted to go to Krylov too, but I also like this little random game I've come up with. <laughs> so I'm going to talk myself into it. Um, I mean, I it's, really, it's a pick up. It's a pick up fight. It's a pick up fight. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's the same odds as the last fight, by the way. It's minus 115 and minus 105. So Vegas has no idea what this fight's going to be. Um, I agree with everything you said about Krylov. I do think he's gotten better while he lost his last fight. Uh, he was looking good when he was stringing because he was stringing together knockouts. And if you're going to win, win by finishing. That's how you impress people. And he was doing it. Um, that said, when I do look at his record, his propensity to be submitted by not especially submission specialists. Um, oh, I'm worried. I'm real worried. Concerning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Jan Blockowitz is no submission expert to be getting that arm triangle on him. So OSP, he's a guy known for winning by some fluky ass submissions. So, yeah, he's done it before. Why not? Mike. Yeah, you know, I was leaning towards Krylov. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But to try to shoehorn into this motif that somehow we've developed um, since the uh, Adesanya fight. Today is OSP's birthday. So happy birthday, OSP. I'm going to pick you. It means OSP ate some cake. Mark, what, what do you got? What a generous gift. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we got this whole thing going. I'm not going to be the one guy to screw it up, especially... <laughs> Stefan kind of took, uh, you know, he did his analysis here. I mean, his analysis looking at the fight records. But what I noticed was uh, uh, Krylov was kicked out of the UFC by getting squeezed on. His last fight back into the UFC, he got squeezed on. He's fighting OSP. That dude loves to squeeze on people. This guy's got a squeezing problem. He's fighting a squeezing expert. I think we're going to get a squeeze in this fight. And I think it's going to be uh, uh, Krylov doing the tappy tap. This guy has a squeezing problem. Is something we need to bring up again. He does. He does not like multiple, to get squeezed multiple times. Before we move off, there's two guys on this undercard that I got to talk about real quick. You know what, Stefan? Um, I was about to say, is there anything on the undercard that intrigues you guys? So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, uh, the man with the delicious sounding name, and I looked up his record, and uh, he actually got a solid record. Uh, this Boston Salmon. What a name. You think that's a nickname? Nah, because he has a nickname of Boom Boom. His name is just Boston Salmon. Um, apparently, he's some Hawaiian kid who's like five and one. His uh, Twitter page just has one sentence. It says, I will be champion in all caps. I want to believe in this kid because 
I like that name. Um, and also, uh, just because I'm interested to see how it's going to go, I was very mean to this person. I don't personally know him, but boy was I mean to him because I gave him the moniker of the stupidest fighter in the history of MMA. We got Andre Sukumta, the man who's fighting a man with a broken foot and decided to take him down. Like, he's on this card. I think, is this his first fight back since that? Did he go into hiding for a while? I mean, he's back, and boy, <laughs> you, gave, you gave him such a tongue lashing. He I gave him back. such a tongue lashing that he is minus four, or he is plus four hundred in his return. The guy who he is fighting, who I have never heard of, um, I don't know who Montel Jackson is, but he's minus five hundred on this guy. <laughs> like Stefan, yeah. do you know what a uh, Sukumtat's uh, nickname is? <sighs> Something that doesn't illustrate his level of intelligence. Well, perhaps it does. The Asian sensation. Oh God, that's, that's lazy. That it's is, terrible. Terrible. That's lazy. Um, like, I'll just put like this out there with the wrecking machine. Why can't he just be the sensation? Um, below Muhammad, I was wondering. I'm like, why is he so low on the card? And I'm looking at him, and he's won. He'd won four in a row before losing to a guy without a Wikipedia page. So probably I answered my question there. But we're a lot of fights in with Bahal Bilal Muhammad, and he's one, two, three. He's five and three in the UFC. It's not amazing, but I don't know. I kind of expect him to be higher on the card, given the number of people I don't fucking recognize here. I don't, haven't we seen him fight like live? Uh, you might have. Let me see. Did you go to Utica to watch him fight? Or am I Did thinking you? he's Iranian, right? No, nah, Iranian is uh, what's his name? Um, I only got one. Benil. Ah, uh, you know. I think I might be thinking of Dar. Yeah, Benil. Yeah, Dariush is the only one. I guess the one I got. I don't know. I thought Bilal Muhammad is a little better than this man. I thought. I mean, he better get a win here all, after me saying that. Uh, Max Griffin isn't a bad fighter. He's on the undercard. This is not a lot of like, not not a lot of stuff making my socks roll up and down here. You know, just saying. Um. All right. Um. I sent you the kid's uh, Twitter page. He's got a logo. It's a mean-looking salmon wearing boxing gloves around his neck. I am all about this kid. The hell is he a Tully? The hell's a Tully? Ah, oh, come on, man! You gotta get on that Game of oh, Thrones. April fourteenth. I know come it's on. a very important day for someone on this podcast, but to many more people, it is the and, Game of Thrones. And I know you Game of returned. Thrones people. Hey, Mike, it's a trout. That's the Tully signal, not a salmon. Shut up, I nerds. Mean, I, I, I watched that show, and I don't know what the fuck you were talking about. So they're probably more upset with me than you. Um. All right, uh, let's do stuff we like. Um, there's going to be a poor description to this where I said, wrestling talk's coming. And I'll be honest with you, folks. This is the last time I'm going to worry about the wrestling talk. Because, quite frankly, MMA is lame. And what did John Oliver tell us about wrestling, Stefan? It's better than the stuff you like. And we're about to tell you about the stuff we like. Yeah, exactly. So first, let's do stuff we like. Let's start. I mean, I'm imagining me and Stefan are going to talk about NXT and WrestleMania. I know Mike watched WrestleMania. I don't know about NXT. Marcus, let's go lead off with you first. Sure. Yeah, I actually got a handful of things. And unfortunately, not a lot going on in the video game realm uh, this week, at least for me in particular. There is a VR game, which is called Falcon Age, which actually looks kind of cool. You have like a pet falcon. You do random shit. Um, but I actually caught a bunch of Netflix shows and other streaming shows over the weekend that I kind of enjoyed. So I want to spot a couple of them out. Um, the new season of Sabrina came out, and um, we're about three episodes in. And to be honest, um, the season's been a little lacking from the first one. I really enjoyed season one. 
Uh, the first couple episodes in this one seemed a little heavy-handed. It just really wasn't hitting its stride. Um, I did enjoy the third uh, episode a bit more, so I have a hope that the season can kind of turn around. Um, I also watched one episode of Our Planet, which is like Netflix's what Blue Planet, one of those nature documentaries. And it was pretty interesting, too. Very kind of heavy-handed with the whole global warming thing. Towards the end, it's just like, we're going we're gonna to show you a bunch of glaciers melting and tell you about how our planet's fucked. So uh, there's that. Um, but it's still a very interesting, fascinating show. Great footage on there. Um, then I did catch a couple episodes of kind of a newer show on Hulu, one of their original shows, which I don't really watch a lot of their original content. Um, but there's a show called Pen15, which is just a stupid way to write penis. And it is about uh, two girls going into the seventh grade in 2000. So I think with our age range, even though, you know, we don't have the female perspective necessarily, um, there's a lot of uh, interesting callbacks I think anyone can kind of relate to going to middle school in that time area. The soundtrack's fucking fantastic. And it's actually a really funny show. I mean, it's kind of your coming of age show. A lot of people kind of um, compare it to Strangers with Candy because the two main actresses or like obviously in their 30s and a lot of the other supporting cast are like younger kids, maybe like teenagers or something. Um, so they kind of stick out, but really well written, really funny, uh, fun show there. Who's behind think, it? I don't know. I think that the two um, female actresses that kind of star in it, I think they wrote and created it, but I don't know who they are. I, I don't think I, I didn't recognize them at all, um, but it's really good. It's a it's a it's a Hulu original Um really recommend that and i think that's kind of it and i watched a little i watched one match from nxt takeover so i can contribute to that when we get to it um mike you got anything before we get into the wrestling yes um i watched none of nxt takeover but i'm gonna ask you the same i'm gonna ask you the same fucking question give it a second mike go ahead (laughs) um John Oliver did say that wrestling is better than anything uh, you, you like, except for one thing. And he didn't say anything. He just said he's be- it's better than the things you like. Yo, my better man, can, th- you le- can you let me live? Can you let me cook? Anyway. <laughs> one thing that I will have to disagree with him on is Game of Thrones, which comes on in six days. Uh, I think for any of these uh, Game of Thrones nerds, stuff. what's up? Mike, um, where are you at in your binge rewatch? I am on season, the last season. Um, I'm right in the middle of the episode where they all go down at King's Landing and they're like, yo, what's up? Let's all fight together against the zombies. And Cersei's like, nah, I'm good. And they're like, oh, here's a zombie. And she's like, oh, snap. All right, let's fight together. Yeah, so I'm at that I'm, point. I'm in the dregs of season five. It's Ooh. terrible. Oh, you got to hurry up, man. You only got like six days, as I, as I said before. Um, this is going to be the last season of Game of Thrones. So after these six episodes are done, the rest of us will have to wait for George R. R. Martin to finish writing his books, which considering the last book came out, what, five, six years ago? Um, and George man, R. R. Martin. I'm so desperate for content. I read the giant coffee table book. The world of uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, it's a good yeah, book, yeah. though. It's actually I'm, I'm it's good. It's I'm good halfway through that one. It's actually it actually is pretty good. Um, but considering that George R. R. Martin might not make it to writing the last book, um, this might be the definitive ending that we get for Game of Thrones. Is that morbid? 
Yes, but George R. R. Martin is also old and a Jets fan, so who knows how much longer he has to live. Uh, I mean, if he dies before, someone's going to pick that up and ghostwrite it. I mean, no one's just going to let that sit and not... I'm going to put my spin on it right now. Ah, making- well, here, here's the thing, young Marcus. Um, he writes all of his novels on a freaking DOS. Who even knows how to get to where his stuff is? Oh, it's on a floppy, baby. It's on three floppies. Easy peasy. Bill Gates is about to write the rest of Game of Thrones. Yeah, Bill Gates is on that DOS. He's he's getting every keystroke. He's got it all, baby. But I am um I am highly looking forward to this. So um nobody call me between the hours of like nine and eleven on Sunday. I will not pick up. Okay. No problem. Is it a two-hour episode? Is that what they're doing? I don't know. I just I don't know exactly at what time it comes on, so I gave myself a two-hour window. No, isn't that a thing though? Aren't they doing like, long episodes? It's fewer episodes, but each episode's kind of like a little movie. Yeah, the uh, well, the first two episodes will clock in at about fifty-five to fifty-nine minutes, and then episodes three through six they go up in length from like an hour and ten minutes to like an hour and a half. Is that a? I mean, I don't know if anybody watches Sherlock besides me. But are they kind of like? I'm sorry. I've seen some. They're just like that. They're, they're well. I mean, they're, they're, well, the thing is, like, I mean, 90. I think I think they're more self-contained too. True. Like, while like it does continue on, but there is like this episode. They wrap it up. There's yeah. a problem at the beginning of the episode. It is solved by the end. Sherlock. They are, they are, Sherlock has no intention of you watching the next episode. Basically, it's not binge worthy. Basically, at that point. Um, this Sunday though, coming back, HBO is gonna have to find themselves a new flag bearer. Because uh, it is not Westworld. Oh, Bobby, they're still milking this cow, baby. <laughs> no, I'm saying like they got to find a new like when we were kids, it was Sopranos for a while. You know, you got to find her. Oh, Bobby, they know. got it. They greenlit yeah. like three pilots. Yeah, the problem oh, yeah. like they haven't found it yet. They didn't make like Jimmy Soprano after and Sopraninas or something. You got to spin the shit off. That's what you got to do. Exactly. Oh, it's uh, like Joey on NBC. And we all exactly, like Exactly. And that works perfectly every time. One, Come on, one, you got to spin off like Frasier, baby. One other small thing I like this week. Um, I don't know how many Switch controllers uh, you have, Mark, but GameStop is having a sale on the GameCube-style uh, wireless controllers for the I Switch. I saw that. So I'm actually going to pick one of those up for 40 bucks. I, I'm one of the morons who bought a Pro Controller, so I'm just, you know. And, Mike, it's not even like I would like the GameCube controller. It's just like a Switch controller for 40 bucks. It's like, that's a fucking deal. They charge $70 for that. Yeah, exactly. I think like I bought my Pro Controller cheaper than the Joy-Cons. I was like, even that, at least I saved 10 bucks. Um, All right, Stefan, you want to talk about anything before we talk about the wrestling? Uh, yeah, a couple quick hits. Um, I was this last Sunday. I went to the uh, Warriors game against the Clippers. Uh, notable because it's the final regular season game at an arena that they've been that's been their home for the last forty seven years. Um, I went to my first game when I was four years old. I watched the Warriors play the then Charlotte Hornets, who had a Del Curry, father of our uh, beloved figure Steph Curry, down here, and uh, my personal favorite childhood player, Muggsy Bogues. Why did I like him? Because he was five foot three. Even as a little boy, I'm like, I'm like that guy. I'm not going to be that tall in life. But this is my idol. Um, he was in Space Jam. Um, it was just a really cool event. They really, uh, they really threw a party for Warriors fans. It was a nostalgia fest everywhere. There were all these photo ops outside. Um, at every timeout break, they had a legend, or not even legends, but they had play- memorable players from various eras of the team who kind of came out at half court. They honored 
You know, you had your Rick Barry from like the old school uh, original championship of the Warriors. Alvin Adels couldn't be here because uh, he's in poor health. We had Mo Spates <laughs> randomly just because Mo! we him. Mo Buckets <laughs> coming on. Uh, we Yo, had do, you, Jay- do you remember when remember when Mo Buckets was selling bootleg Splash Brothers shirts on his website? That was the best. <laughs> you gotta get paid. Uh, got Jay Rich for the We Believe era, and personally, my favorite Warrior of all time. We had a Donald Foil to represent the darkest timeline of the Warriors fan base. Uh, it was just really great. Um, at the end of the game, Coach Kerr gave a kind of speech talking about just the history, um, saying Game Six of the We Believe was the loudest basketball arena he's ever heard in his life. He remembered in like '89 when he came to watch, uh, came to play against Oakland as a rookie. Um, you know, he just gave a lot of perspective. They unveiled this uh, Oakland, California '47 banner that's going to hang in the new arena in San Francisco. Um, it was just, you know, I understand Warriors. They get a lot of bandwagon this, bandwagon that. But as someone who's been a lifelong Warrior fan, um, every one of these moments spoke to me. Uh, I got a little teary-eyed there. So it was just really cool to be a part of that moment. Um, and secondly, a quick hit. I'm not going to talk about it that much, which is going to do it injustice. Uh, I saw Shazam. Go see it. I was, I was wondering if anyone did. I, I, I plan on seeing it. It looked really good. I saw it on it's, um, Friday. It's, it's starring Chuck, right? It's starring Zach this. Levy. It's, Levi. it's it's a fun, enjoyable movie. It's definitely meant for kids and families. So as much as I liked it, I'm not necessarily interested in seeing it again. Interesting. Good to know. Right on. Um, Steph, you remember when like the most exciting part of being a Warrior fan was Jay Rich in the slam dunk contest? That, we I had. was talking to someone, you know, there was a lot of old school fans there, and I, I was talking about that. Like, that's why Jay Rich is like my favorite warrior of all time is he gave us something when we were like beyond. I remember, I remember when we were kids, he wrote, he took out a whole page in the, uh, not in the Chronicle in the Tribune. Does, does Oakland Tribune even exist anymore? Um, the building certainly is still there, but, uh, he apologizing for the team, not making the playoffs. And I remember thinking like, Oh, Jay rich, you will, you're, you're, it was only like year three. I'm like, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know, uh, man. I thought that the most exciting for time for you guys was like the draft. You know? the draft was fun until it actually yeah. we started. Until we fucked it up. The, we, the we draft. Uh, I always famously remember there was a year where the Warriors were the worst team in the league by far. By far, they needed a center. They needed a point guard. The draft had two blue chip prospects: Jason Williams from Duke, coming off of the national title, and Yao Ming. The seven foot six Chinese super center in the Bay Area full of Asian people. What happened? We fell to number three and we drafted mononucleosis Mike Dunleavy Jr. Do you uh, do you remember? I'm not sure if this was even a true rumor, but I've come to believe this is a true thing. Is when they said the Rockets would give us first pick if we gave them the third pick and Eric Dampier, and we said no. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've just come to accept it as fact. That's part of my misery. <laughs> there was another fact about the draft, Mike. Uh, the Warriors at one point held the record for the most times a lottery team fell back from their expected draft yeah. position. As in people jumped ahead of us because we just have shitty luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the NBA is not fixed. Um, um, all right, let's talk about the graps. Um a lot of wrestling. This was WrestleMania weekend. Um, I watched a lot of it. I watched the goddamn Hall of Fame thing. Real quick, don't attack Bret Hart. What the fuck? Yeah, Why would white you want kid to? in a Rastafarian hat? What was that? Yeah, how like about, how about don't attack anybody? Yeah, but like don't attack a man who got concussion issues, had a stroke, and had cancer, and is Bret Hart. 
specifically. And don't do it in a in an area where you're surrounded by people like Travis Brown. I'm going to give a quick summary for people who didn't see this. Bret Hart giving the Hall of Fame speech. He's getting inducted alongside um, his late tag team partner, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Menacingly pull on your goatee if you have one, please. Um, crazy person enters the, ca- the ring, grabs old man Bret Hart. By the time the guy's hands were on Bret Hart, Travis Brown was in the fucking ring. Travis Brown was in the ring. There was The ring was full of Canadians because it's Bret Hart. He's a hero. Travis Brown gets enough room to get on top of this motherfucker and starts unleashing elbows. He got at least two or three in there, right, Mike? That was beautiful. Oh, no. He got some good ones in there. Yeah. You haven't seen him get good ones in like that, like ever, like even yeah. in his career. Yeah. Well, you know, he knocked out Josh Barnett while Josh Barnett was standing, too. With those side elbows. So you got to give him some credit there. And then as they were getting the guy out of the ring, Dash Wilder from the Revival, one of my favorite tag teams, gave the motherfucker an uppercut, and that man was no longer conscious. Um, Yeah, don't do that. Um, The Hall of Fame in general wasn't a bad watch, considering it was still too long. It was nice to see China go in, even though they kind of put her in through a side door, rather than her going in by herself. I don't think wrestling fans who watch now really understand how over China was. When we were kids, I mean, Steph, I mean, she would beat up dudes and it was believable. Like, well, yeah, easily. it was just accepted that she wrestled men. Like, yeah. We didn't even consider her wrestling women ever. Yeah. And I think she like, I mean, China was, again, her whole, I mean, she had that thing with Jeff Jarrett that was awesome. Her whole mamacita thing with Eddie Guerrero was hilarious, quite frankly. Uh, it was a good time. I mean, she was part of DX. China was great. And it was nice to see her go in. It was nice to see how excited X-Pac was. And um, real old school wrestling fans will like be know this. They're in New York, so when X Pac came out, they started chanting one two three, you know, from when he was one two three kid, and he beat uh, Razor Ramon at uh, Manhattan Center. York? Manhattan Center, I think. Yeah, it's oh. back that early Raw yeah. where you had the balcony deck. Yeah, they used to always do Manhattan Center. Um, there was some good jokes, you know. DX is childish, but there were some good digs here or there, you know, making fun of AEW. Um, NXT, Stefan, best part of the weekend, though, um, I think. On paper, I think, I mean, I, I think when it's all said and done, this might have been the best takeover ever. Maybe, but it's kind of hard to say. They're all so good. Um, the tag team match between the War Raiders and, uh... The well-established the, tag team of Alistair Black and Ricochet. Yes, um, that match was excellent. I thought it was great. What'd you think? Uh, yeah, it was a really, really cool send-off. Uh, I said, I was telling you earlier about it, I was just like, I just, I've seen other entrances of Ricochet, but how loud the crowd erupted during his intro for the one and only, like, I get why Ricochet is getting called up fast. I, I could see why kids love this guy. He's got the whole superhero thing. His music, he does the landings. Um, he's a fun character. His gimmick More, is that he's a superhero, right? Let's be straight up. That's what he does. He's pretty a superhero. much seems like it. He's yeah. kind of like a living <laughs> Spider-Man, more or less. Um, yeah, the War Raiders are fun because they're really athletic fat guys. Um, so you got to appreciate that. Uh, it was a fun match. And, uh, you know, if you appreciate the nuances of pro wrestling, it was a really great send-off. Um, the crowd knew that that was the final NXT match for Aleister Black and Ricochet. So they allowed him to have a moment at the end. And that was really cool. Yeah, they got nice and emotional there. Just so I'm clear, me and Stefan are the only ones who watch NXT. Mark, I know you saw the Riddle match, right? Correct. Yeah, Mike, you didn't see NXT, right? I did not. Okay, you got to start watching NXT. You'd be a much happier person. Um, we're not to go in depth on all these, but uh, 
Riddle and Dream Vel- is next. Riddle, Riddle and Dream. Um, I, I love Velveteen Dream. I love Matt Riddle. Marcus, what'd you think? I just thought this was a good time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I only watched one match this whole weekend, and this was it because I'm not really much of a pro wrestling fan right now. You know, I've been in and out before, but um, I've always been a bigger fan of the Japanese style, which I mean, wrestling fans know now as strong style. And I always thought as like, when I was younger in high school, I thought it was like called like Poroshokin or they have like a different name for the Japanese style. That's more like mixed martial arts. And we've talked about it on the show before that style just resonates with me a lot more. And it hasn't been, pre- uh, you know, very popular in the States until more recently. And, uh, Matt Riddle has that style and he's a fantastic, uh, pro wrestler. His transition from MMA, to pro wrestling has been phenomenal and Bobby <clears throat> have to give you credit. You're telling me about him on his first match. Like, Oh yeah, Matt real finally had his first pro match. And he was like, it's supposed to be good. And I was like, all right, whatever that means, you know, until I actually saw him, I was like, holy shit, this kid is fucking awesome. Man, I thought like, I thought Shayna picked it up quick and Shayna Baszler picked it up very quick. Honestly, She's great. Too. Very quick. <clears throat> but Matt Riddle within like, I saw like his third match. I'm like, Oh, well fuck. They should sign him. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Like yeah. he's ready. <laughs> and, and kind of the inverse, Velveteen Dream is someone that me and Steph eyed very quickly. We're, this is during a small stint. We were actually watching NXT, and he was a no-namer. I think he was just going by a name. He didn't have a gimmick, and he was just wearing tight uh, pants that had one side a bald eagle and the other side an American flag. So he was just American boy, and he was great even back then. I was like, man, this kid really has something, and he's, you know, over the last year or so, he's really exploded, and... I'll say of this match, it was kind of one-sided because I think a lot of people knew like where Matt Riddle is and what he's able to do and how he kind of controls the ring and just has that kind of ownership of it. He worked, like Dream- he, worked like he, he worked like a heel. He worked like a heel. He worked like a heel. He grounded Dream as much as he could, it looked like to me. Yeah, and he was the one getting, you know, very testosterone-y and not, and not really like his persona, which is usually very, hey, dude. He's having a good time. Even when he's in, in, a lot of his matches are more back and forth. And this was very much Matt Riddle just pounding him into the ground, like you said, Bobby. Uh, but what I, I like about Velveteen Dream that, you know, I haven't been watching him, but I had an eye for him early, is that he's really adopted the 80s old school style of pro wrestling, which I'm actually kind of a fan of. So, I mean, I, I, I said to Bobby, you know, this man loves the double axe handle. There oh, he has no so angle. many double axe he handles. He will not hit you with the double axe <laughs> handle from I mean, yeah, that, that, and that was literally my, my favorite part, because actually playing the 2K game, I would not not known this, but that was Macho Man's, like, signature move was the top handle, uh, top uh, rope axe, axe handle. So I do it frequently to see Velveteen Dream, like, yeah, this is, I like how, like, he's going to the top, the guy's on the outside, so it's like, some crazy shit's about to happen. Even if this dude just does, like, a body press, this is a lot of hype to go up, and he does a fucking double hex handle which is basically the safest way to jump off a turnbuckle and land on an apron unless you're sid but continue he did i just looked it up bobby he was doing a boot off the why top. would you do I that, that was a, <laughs> I didn't think about the he's 300 pounds why <laughs> but not to drag on for too long it was a fantastic match um and like you were trying to uh encourage mike to watch nxt i would even say just get to that match and just watch that match and you're good as far as i'm concerned um even though bobby i mean Bobby and Steph know that the main event was fantastic. And all I heard was how good that main event was too, which you guys will talk about. But I only saw the Riddle fight. It was really good. Um, I'm just really happy to see him in NXT and still be of the same caliber that I saw him on the indie scene. So it's really cool. Exactly. Um, 
Walter and Pete Dunne. I'm happy that I'm slowly converting my friends here to the greatness of Walter. Mark, did you get a chance to watch the intro? I did. I watched it. I like that song. The problem comes out to the goddamn Jaws theme. It's not the Jaws theme. It's a the Jaws theme, theme is a derivative of that. Of that, it's very. Well, he does the actual fucking song. They can't yeah. even own the song. It's a good song. I think the problem has been with your guys' last two recommendations. The bar. I think you forgot where the bar was. Last time I was watching NXT, it was Shinsuke and Bobby Roode, and those entrances are fucking legendary. So when you tell me about Bugenhaven, and you're like, "Oh, dude, mine's about oh. to explode," I'm. I'm ready for tears. When I see Nakamura, <laughs> tears are coming out. When Bobby Roode comes out, I am laughing and in a joyous mood. So having a, a very fit Jack Black-like guy just go, yeah, it is good, but it's not that level. And I'm expecting that level. And same thing with Walter. It's a good song, though. It is cool. I did enjoy it. I mean, I told Stefan today, I don't know why Walter's shirt comes in other colors besides black. Man just comes out in some black trunks and chops people. Um, I, I love this- that my man uh, Bill Simmons was in the front row during all this. Um, and I, again, I was new to Walter, and his take was spot on as far as I was concerned. His uh, his live tweet was, yeah, Walter's gimmick is that he's from 1947. That's just it. He's just a guy from a bygone time that they time travel to the future. Yeah, um, he's fun, just... Though. He's very old school, and I, I appreciate that. Did I enjoyed this match quite a bit, but Steph, did you feel we were getting too much, like... I mean, Pete Dunne does a lot of finger breaking. There was too much finger breaking for me at some point, I thought. This is like uh, Shazam. It was a really good watch, but I don't want to watch it again. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really good... I mean, again, I like... When I'm nitpicking NXT, I like all the matches. Let's just start with yeah. that. They're but, all good. They're all good. Yeah. Um, uh, the the power bomb off the top rope was pretty fucking awesome, though. Oh, Jesus. That was, that was great. That was, a, that was a great spot. Yeah. Um, I love Pete Dunne, and I don't... Pete Dunne, I'd say he's due for... I mean, they have too many people. We'll talk about WrestleMania. It's just they have too many people on the roster. But we'll see how long he hangs out in the UK. Shayna Baszler has to fight three people now. Um, My biggest takeaway from this match was that Shayna Baszler's got plenty of heel heat and that Bianca Belair is a level of strong that is kind of freaky. When she hit that double... What are, I don't know what she called She calls she it a KOD. Like- yeah, she does. It's like an inverted version of like Cena's finisher almost. But basically, long story short, she did it to two women at once. She took yeah. the two Japanese women, stacked them on top of each other, and then did the finisher on both of them. Yeah. Um, great performance. Shayna's ready, by the way. I thought she was going to lose just because she's ready. I thought this was the time where Shayna goes up because she's not that young. Right? I mean, let's be straight here. She's, she's like not. 36, 37. Ronda's she had a makes sense. Uh, Ronda's gonna be gone. They can all be. I mean, Ronda's a heel anyway. They could have done it with. Maybe she comes up when Ronda comes back. They all come up together. The rest of the four horsewomen need a little bit more seasoning. They aren't terrible. It's just they're both very green still. They didn't. I mean, Shayna took to it so well. Um, and then Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, two out of three falls for the vacant NXT Championship. The conclusion of a story that should have been Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. Long-term storytelling doesn't really exist anymore in pro wrestling stuff, but we got about two years, a two-year story plus maybe between all the injuries and all the matches with Gargano and Champa. Champa had to have neck surgery. This was Meltzer, Dave Meltzer, um, in his opinion, which is just opinions, he thought this might be the finest match the WWE's ever put on. I thought it was excellent. Um, 
I think I'm probably, Bobby. He called it the uh, best match in North American wrestling history. Yeah, I thought it was great. I had a really honestly at the end, I got like almost emotional. For me at this point, pro wrestling stuff, it's like if I can get myself lost in it, that's how I know. Like, wow, like they've really achieved something here because I've been watching too long. I no, thought I what, there's um, uh, you know, we we're the type of fans that anything we like, we kind of get in the weeds with it, right? Um, yeah, we're super nerds, like. I learned like Game of Thrones. I learned the universe. I don't just watch the show. I dig I mean, in deep. We have know? a goddamn MMA podcast, right? So guys, I mean, let's. <laughs> yeah, no, kind of just totally agreeing with you is wrestling cannot surprise me for the most part until this match. The, the ending sequence of this match, I did not see coming. Dude, my heart was beating out of my chest. I kept thinking, like, oh, that's got to put him down. He's like, not going down. <laughs> How did, how did I described, you know, when I kind of gave a, a quick general uh, description of what a takeover is, you know, five matches, everyone gets about 20 minutes to work and you're going to get about four to five false finishes. Um, there is a formula to these things, but fuck, they just went for it in this match. Like I couldn't I could not. There were so many times they deceived me on what the finish was and I expect the false finish. So um, kudos to them. They told a hell of a match. I mean, I've heard, like, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't been as big on this Undisputed Era as you have, Bob. Um, you got that freaking intro music just on your regular music playlist. Um, but I just remember, I remember in some random clips, like, Triple H talking about Adam Cole and saying, like, this kid is can't miss. Like, this kid has so much potential. Like, um, I've heard, like, Meltzer say, like, guys in NXT that they don't think can fail on the main roster and... You know, everyone can fail on the main roster, but he threw out Adam Cole's name. So, you know, a performance like he had in this match, you see that star potential, but God damn it, all these guys need to be like three inches taller. That's so Sabatro. <laughs> even Nakamura, he's not getting any love, right? He was he even in WrestleMania. <laughs> he was in a weird throwaway four tag team match because we got to cram everybody we can. Yeah, He's sure. teaming with Rusev in a oh, team that makes right. no sense. Okay. Oh, the, general, the general perception of Nakamura is that he really put his body through a lot while he was in Japan. And this is kind of like he likes living in the U.S. His kids like Florida. He likes surfing. He kind of just is riding this out. Like he's just going to he like – He's just gonna be on the roster. No, oh, that's. You know what I mean, bad. one of the I man. He's, he's like forty years old. He's had like you watch some of his matches, man, from back in Japan. They just murdered each I other. I mean, if that's true, then Bobby, can he at least go back to being a good guy with the better version of his music? <laughs> I like his music. <laughs> like I have no idea the fuck the guy's talking about. It's I great. Just want to say, you're Jim. <laughs> um, <laughs> really though, um, I thought it was a great show. I'm excited to watch. One of my favorite tag teams, because I always like NXT after TakeOver. The episode is always just like the prelims from the TakeOver. And my guys, the Street Profits are going to be on there. And I love the fucking Street Profits. They'd be my champions in NXT. Just putting it out there. They're going to be wrestling. You remember one of them, Mark. It's the guy who mixes the bowl and wears Oh, I do like him. All right, I'm on board. (laughs) And then um, I'm just disappointed that Mark isn't on the Boogs cruise with us, Steph. It's a little disappointing. But uh, anyway, let's talk about Mania. First off, with WrestleMania, I watched this whole fucking thing. I watched it. I watched was the longest event in human history. Uh, I watched I the pre-show, it. son. Okay. I, have, I think I was talking <laughs> to you, and I was like, I've watched both world title matches, and according to this buffer bar, there are four and a half hours to go. What the fuck is this? I, so you I, know I, who won stuff, right? Halfway though? through, uh, you guys. So I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody. You guys know what happened, Steph, at least, right? I got to Batista, and I 
have avoided wrestling stuff after. You can talk about it. I mean, whatever. Whatever at this point. Well, I mean, okay. We'll, uh, we'll talk around. I'm going to spoil my favorite part of everything that I saw. Um, first off, I had a realization where, like, I'm, at the end of the show, I thought this was a really good WrestleMania. I thought they did. I've watched some WrestleManias, and they've been bad. I can tell you some bad ones off the top of my head. WrestleMania 9, fucking awful. Fucking awful. Worst one ever. WrestleMania 2 is pretty bad also. The last one wasn't good either. Um, Bobby, what number is the one where everyone knew Brock and Goldberg were leaving and therefore had, like, the worst match ever? WrestleMania in 20 in Madison Square Garden where the crowd booed them out of the building and the Stone Cold had to stun everybody at the end. That was when Brock said he's going to the Vikings and Goldberg said, I'm going home. 2004. I remember that. Brock Lesnar is in one Madden game. Yeah, I I, I remember that. I immediately sign him when I play that game. I remember. That was WrestleMania 20. Wasn't a bad WrestleMania overall besides that. Um, this was a really good show. And at the end of it, I'm watching, I'm thinking, I'm like, it was too long. And then they have a battle royal to start the show. And I'm looking at the people in the battle royal. It's full of talent. Like, really good wrestlers. And I'm just like, they have too many people. This has to be two days. What are we doing? Like, you, like this is a 16-match card. That is too much wrestling. I mean, again, I watched this, okay? But that's too much. Um, I guess we can just talk about the stuff we liked. I liked Brock Lesnar just getting the fuck out of town real quick. Uh, Steph, do you, I mean, uh, Mike, did you appreciate Brock just getting hit in a ding-ding, getting stomped three times and going home? I mean, it was it was so short. Um, I mean, does Brock really have that type of power that he's just like, yo, F it. I just want to go on you know, right at the beginning so I can go home, shower, and maybe, hell, maybe even lay on top of his wife. I mean, my what, logic, Mike, honestly was like, I thought when they when they came out first, I thought, oh, Brock's going to win right now, and they think they're going to need some time to get the crowd back. Because wrestling fans are kind of mm-hmm. done with Brock at this point. I don't think, I think, honestly, I don't think it's that Brock exists is the problem. It's that Brock holds a fucking belt and doesn't show up. If Brock is just going to show up, that's fine. But, um... Yeah, I did like you like Stefan, you liked Heyman's wordplay. I like so. that. He's going to Vegas where he's ultimately, ultimately. more appreciated. Yeah. Um I thought I AJ mean, Styles when, when I heard that, I thought for sure, okay, so he's losing this fight. That was the giveaway to me too. Was oh, they are gonna give it to Seth. Well when Ariel said they're doing a brisk big press conference and like I was just like, Okay, I think Brock's gonna be at that press conference on Thursday, by the way, the UFC is doing. If they can get Brock to come to Atlanta. Um Brock doesn't know media. Who am I talking? They'll just announce it. He won't be there. Paul Heyman uh, will be there. Yeah. Oh my god, I want Paul Heyman to be a part of the UFC. Um, I we all t- we talked about it last week for people who listen to the show and the wrestling part. There were three big babyface wins, and we thought this is the one for sure that was gonna get fucked. I didn't think this was one for sure. I just said you can't you can't have happy endings across the board, but apparently yeah. you can. Um. AJ Styles and Randy Orton fought just a good match. There's two professionals. It was not going to be bad. It looked like this is a feud that probably you can get a couple more pay-per-views out of, to be honest. Look, felt like the beginning of a feud. Um, the well-known tag team of Alistair Black and Ricochet play uh, did some double duty. Um, showed up in that SmackDown tag match. Mike, did you catch Ricochet getting swung around for about two minutes by Cesaro? I did not. This was the middle part of Mania where I fell asleep on my bed by accident. Stefan, well, did you see that shit? Well, what was the last spot you got to, Mike, before you passed out? Uh, I think two matches into the actual main card. 
Maybe. Oh, that's... yes, and you gotta, you gotta yeah. skip the, the the pre-show. Yeah. You don't got time uh, for that when this is like a twelve-hour event. Yeah. The, the real pre, The pre-show really tuckered me out. I mean, yeah, that was. <laughs> Mike's describing the problems of wrestling really easily right now, guys. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Bobby, to your point, yeah, uh, Mark, you know that big swing Cesaro does. He does it in the video game. This right. motherfucker right. did it for like two straight minutes. It was two minutes because the whole time it was amazing. Because the whole time is a. Uh, Sheamus has that move where he clubs the guy in the chest, and he did that to every single other participant in the match, while Cesaro just kept swinging Ricochet. Like, the fact that neither of them vomited after that... Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Tip of the hat to the both of them. That was yeah, Cesaro just shook his head and put him in a sharpshooter. I'm like, how is he okay? Cesaro is just a freak of nature. He just is an incredible athlete. If he could um, cut a single promo, that man would have been a legend. Um, I like the Usos. The Usos are our boys. I mean, they're they're basically. I mean, they're, they're these are kids who grew up in Florida, but are a bunch of like you know Niner fans. So, I mean, we know who they. They're from the family. They all live around here. The rest of the family, we get it. <laughs> what I noticed in their walkout was every single black fan in that arena was getting hyped as fuck about their intro music. They have like, a good intro music, like, man. <laughs> every black fan knows every word in their song because they are just like at a straight like hip hop show with that day one ish. Um. I thought Shane and Miz was a was as good as it could be, and the Miz's dad getting in the ring was among my favorite parts of the evening, and putting I, his fists up. I thought that was wonderful. It's gonna be mean. I don't like seeing the Miz's dad on TV. He He's is a, a weird, weird looking, face. looking fellow, <laughs> and the more you focus in on that face, I'm like, this is making me uncomfortable. I was watching. Uh, they have like this, this watch along they're doing now, where they like, just have like a YouTube stream of wrestlers watching the pay-per-view and commenting. And I saw Zack Ryder goes, man, uh, George, you know, the Miz's dad didn't think he needed to get a haircut for mania. <laughs> and then, uh, Hawkins, his tag team partner goes, I think that's George with a Haker haircut. <laughs> like this is as good as it gets. Um, the Miz, I'm just happy. Shane, Shane almost when Shane landed on that cement thing on accident. Like when he fell off that, like, Oh yeah. He six bounced foot off thing. the golf cart and then just hit the cement. Oh. I was like, oh, that wasn't on, that wasn't on purpose. Ouch. Jesus, Shane has got a death witch. Uh, it's pretty clear. Um, and then um, uh, they, it was a good time, man. I like watching Miz as a babyface. It's better than I thought it was going to be. Stefan, why don't you go ahead and brag about our uh, about uh, uh, the iconics? There were three happy endings on this, but people forgot there was a secret fourth. Because my highlight of the entire event that I saw, the motherfucking iconics won the tag belts. Holy shit, the, the bitchy uh, uh, Australian girls. But I, I just want to genuinely say I like them. I think they're really fun personalities because they do something well, which has become a lost art in the WWE. So kudos that they've been getting the platform to do it. I like their promos. They cut fun heel promos. They, yeah, they're not trying to be cool. They like, make no effort to be cool. Mm -hmm. But in doing that, they've racked up a pretty good fan base. Um, like Their fans love them because they are a throwback in a way to being like really good heels. And as a fan of them, I just thought I really enjoyed them winning, not just because I like them, but when they won and you saw uh, Billy start crying, that was a real genuine moment. Um, like these girls have known each other for years. Like if you've ever heard them on like a podcast or they go in the background, they knew each other in Australia growing up. They're like, there's one wrestling school in Australia. Like it's not easy to become a pro wrestler. It's really hard to do it from another country that doesn't have a big wrestling scene. The UK, they have a big wrestling scene. You can make it over there and catch the attention of the companies here. Japan has a big scene. You can make it there and catch the attention. 
people don't come from Australia. Um, and this duo did it, and they did it together. They've been friends for years. It's a really cool story if you're just into the human interest story of it. Um, I think they're really tremendous heels. I did watch them in NXT. I remember Peyton Royce, her gimmick was that she was uh, she was Poison Ivy. Billy Kay was Psylocke when she first showed up. So I was like, I like them. These are just two girls doing clear superhero references in their outfits. Um, and then they evolved into their iconic persona. Um, it's fun. It was cool to see them get it because of the those women. They were the only one that were an actual tag team. And I always think that's one thing the WWE doesn't respect. They love cramming two random singles competitors together. And now they're a team where like the actual teams kind of get buried. Um, so it's just cool to see that they did it because this is a burgeoning division for them. So having a true tag team be the ones that kind of lead it. I think that's cool. I, I thought um, Beth Phoenix for someone who hasn't wrestled in like seven, eight. Yeah. I don't know how long she didn't miss a beat. I was pretty impressed with that. I thought honestly of the matches that were able to go any amount of time. Cause there's some squashes in here. This might've been the worst one and it was still wasn't bad at all. Like it was still a decent match. Um, all right. Kofi mania, Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan, um, was the best match on the show. It was a truly excellent wrestling match. Daniel Bryan is the best wrestler in the world, in my opinion. I don't think it's that close. I don't think in terms of a full, everything you do, everything he does has purpose. He's not being the best. This is just my measuring stick. It's not about doing the flashy, flashiest shit. It's not about doing a bunch of cool things. It's like everything you do has a purpose. You get the right reaction from the crowd you're looking for. The crowd was, ex and it was having the right baby face here work too. The crowd was all in on this. It was the best match of the show. At the end, I was getting like, I got into it, man. Um, we talked about Kofi last week. Um, this build here, a man who worked as hard as he did. It was a big deal for Kofi Kingston to win this world championship. Um, he's the first, uh, African American. He's the first, I guess the first black guy to hold the WWE title since the rock and the rock, the only one. Um, there's been other world heavyweight champions. Quite frankly, though, if you add this total number of a black um, top, I guess we're going to call it world champions because we're just talking about the top belt. In the WWE, uh, Rock, Mark Henry, um, Booker T. I was going to say Booker, right? Yeah. This is it. And then Kofi. I think that's it. And it's just like, I don't know who else should have. I mean, Ron Simmons was the world champion in WCW. But like... There hasn't been a lot, man. And, you know, I don't know whatever reason that is or isn't going to be. Wrestling, a lot of it came from the Southern Belt, and sometimes that plays into a I factor. Mean, with all but, due respect, aren't you a little surprised Mark Henry's one of them, though? Well, I was, <laughs> and then I looked at, like, I guess what happened when we stopped watching is Mark Henry, Henry had a period of his career called the Hall of Pain, where he just beat they the fuck out of people. He just I beat mean, the fuck out of people. <laughs> I mean, for me, Mark Henry's the guy who dated uh, the old woman who gave birth to a hand. So yeah, that's kind of that the stain of Mark Henry's career for me, unfortunately. Yeah, um, this was Wait, just what? really well done, Mike. If you when you win this podcast, it's done. Go ahead and Google Mark Henry May Young and then no, get disgusted. Don't, don't don't do it. Actually, no. you're gonna get disgusted. You don't want to see was... a geriatric woman give birth to a hand, Mike. Trust me. Just just that title is the thing of nightmares. May um, Young. I, yeah, don't do it, Mike. Um, and then, honestly, this match ended, and I was kind of like, I was so happy, and I was keeping it together, and then I'm like, man, if Xavier Woods starts crying, I might lose it. And then Woods was clearly crying. 
And I got a little teary-eyed a little bit there, man, because, like, dude, they were clearly so happy for their boy. And I know wrestling is scripted, guys, but being the world champion means something still. It is, it is showing that you've reached the pinnacle of your profession. And Kofi's been working a long time to do it, and he did it, and I thought it was just well done overall. I mean, great match. Steph, you saw this one? I did. Um, I saw up to Batista, which so that'll be where my commentary ends around there. But um, yeah, I saw this. I, I I knew the story of it. I knew the culmination. Uh, my only complaint with it, I thought the finish was a little wonky, and that's not Kofi's fault for any other reason than he does not have a visually impressive finisher. Um, he doesn't have a move that when he hits it, you're like, that's the shit, you know. Granted, the Stone Cold Stunner, that's not a fair comparison because that's like the greatest finisher of all time but when the finishers hit you're supposed to know that's the moment he did that little spinny kick i didn't know that that was his finisher so that was a little weak in that regard but the moment was bigger than that so you know kudos to them um wwe putting the t-shirt on their website before the event and giving away the fucking ending was a level of stupidity that is just Really unacceptable for a company. You think it like that? Point. I saw it like as you know when uh, they have a Super Bowl, you got shirts made for both guys. You know, uh, and then, they only and then have some of them one shirt though, or both. I don't know if Daniel Bryan had a shirt, did he? I probably not, but uh, that's how I just like to take it. Okay, that's yeah. all. You know, they had the in case. Shirt. Um, Daniel Bryan's still the planet's champion, though. Never forget. Um, Rey Mysterio worked hurt, so Samoa Joe came out. People chanted Joe, and Joe choked him. About a minute. Well done. Reigns and McIntyre was the type of match that Vince McMahon gets hard about. Just a big hoss fight. Big hoss fight. Went about 10 minutes. I was, there was no way a guy coming back from cancer who was actually getting cheered for the first time was going to lose this fight. And I just wish McIntyre had to take two finishers. Because I really like McIntyre as the next big bad motherfucker in this, you know, on Raw. Just my two cents there. Um... Steph, you got any thoughts on that? McIntyre should have won. Yeah, it should have, but it wasn't going to happen. So, if, and, and all things considered, take two finishers. <laughs> uh, here's my other take on it, and I kind of got a little smirk out of it. Uh, you know, everyone likes Roman now that he survived cancer, but now that we know he's okay, the crowd is getting a little, not 50-50, but they were like 80-20. The oh, right. crowd wants to boo him. They want to go back to booing the man. Two months. The second that Seth loses that title and all of a sudden Roman's getting a title shot, that's all it's going to take. That's I mean, all. That's that's what we're done. Roman has stupid finishers. Like that Superman punch, it is stupid. It is so whack. Really? Like that's the best they could come up with. He like throws his hand down like he's charging it up and then well, he has someone of, with a really I'm bad I'm going to defend punch. him on that. As a fan of Terry Bogard... I don't mind the burning knuckle being his being one of his moves. Well, here's the thing. I think I, the man does a goddamn um, outsider's edge, razor's edge, for lack of a better term. That should be his finisher. If he does the move, it's a good move. That should be his finish. Just my two cents. The I think spear a spear is a shitty finisher. Always been the lamest finisher because the guy who does does it the, who did it the best. It wasn't his finisher, and that's Goldberg. Yeah. Goldberg's finisher was the jackhammer, and he had the best spear. If his spear isn't a finisher, why is anyone else's spear? I know you loved him, Bobby, but Edge was one of the least impressive no, spears. I've that ever was seen. a ter- Edge's spear was him hugging a guy and taking him down. Edge was the safest worker ever in that regard. God bless him. <laughs> he took the entire brunt. Um, Batista Triple H. Um, this went too long, 
But given the average, given the combined age being 99 years old, this had this was way better than it had any business being. Uh, when they said Triple H's career was on the line, that's when I was just like, well, okay, he's winning. Um, Batista getting his nose ring taken out with pliers was not something I needed mm. to see. Um, Mike, were you see? Did you see that part? Mike was asleep. Mike been asleep. Nah, 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 nah. I, I was awake. Okay, we we talked. Part. We talked about this part. Yeah, that, yeah. We talked about was, this part. Mike's. Mike's like, not, oh, what the fuck? Nice. I knew. I know it was fake, but now I didn't need that. Um. I mean, obviously it was real, but I mean, you know, Batista probably like took out the like inner stud or whatever, so that it could just boop, just pop right out. Yeah. And Batista retired at the end of this thing. He just wanted to come back and do this. Batista loved being a wrestler. He's got old, man. He didn't start young, you know, and he got his one match in. It was not bad. Um, Hunter, I, I know he had a Titoris Peck not that long ago. When you looked at him, everything didn't look right. Just putting it that way. Um, he did come out like Mad Max. That was pretty cool. Hunter always has a good entrance at WrestleMania. Um, Can I give my, uh, my hot take from that match? You know, the highlight right. for me was... The trailer for this movie that he has coming out with Kamel Namjian. Oh, did I'm you see Kamel? Did have you see Kamel in the front row? Kamel, and then I was gonna say, continuing from that. So I'm gonna say the premise for this trailer is that Kamel Namjiani is an Uber driver, and he somehow gets roped into Dave Batista's like vigilante actions. So it's like this action comedy. Essentially, he's Drax as like a vigilante cop or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then in the front row, Kamel Namjiani has like two giant fat heads of Dave Batista, a yeah. shirt that is just Dave Batista's face. And he doesn't call him Batista. He keeps just chanting for Dave the whole time. He's like, let's go, Dave. Yeah, the camera caught him laughing too. Dave started like, laughing. He saw it. He was I, like, oh, shit. I'm a big Kamel fan. Um, I'm really proud to see where his career has gone. Um, like, he's he's really funny, dude. And yeah, you know, like what a revelation Batista turned out to be as an actor. Like his his turn as Drax has really like yeah, I one hundred percent believe he has a, a acting career. Like I, I I buy him. He he has good comedic timing. So um like it's a ridiculous premise. It's called Stuber, but it's two people I like, and it looks fun. I'm in for it. Um, one of the guy. No, hold on, hold on, because wait, wait. One of the guys next to him in the crowd had a shirt that said, Dave is my emergency contact, and that's when I lost it. <laughs> Stefan, you think that's crazy? And Bobby probably doesn't even fucking remember. I told him about this movie. You think it's crazy in the trailer? My cousin has been working in L.A. for like 20 years probably at this point. So I always ask him every Christmas, like, oh, what are you working on? And he told me about this fucking movie. It's like, oh, do you know uh, Mel Kuj? I was like, oh, yeah, I just saw that movie he made. It was great. It's like, oh, yeah. So he's an Uber driver. And Dave Batista's a cop, and I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, <laughs> and then he commandeers his vehicle and he brings them on a like a mission. And the funniest thing my cousin told me was that the director, he was really like, this is an action movie. It has a little bit of comedy. This is an action. I want people to think this is action. He was like, why the fuck did you hire these two guys? Then this is a fucking action movie. So I thought that was funny. I just saw that trailer today. I'm glad it's. I saw it. And I was like, "This is really fucking." Weird. Yeah, we, we need Stefan. We need to see this movie opening weekend because it's not going to be in theaters long. Let's be straight about this. This is dumb um, fun for me, Stuber. Um, and yeah, Batista man uh, got to wrestle WrestleMania with a roster this bloated. Look, I get Hunter sells tickets, but WrestleMania sells itself at this point. I know Hunter likes to work still, and I get it. Triple H is one of the best wrestlers that ever was, and Batista was like a six, seven time world champion. The roster's this bloated. We don't need these guys taking us 25 minutes part of the show. Honestly. 
Like, I get it, what he wants to do, and I know who he is, but we probably could have done better. We don't need Shane McMahon on the card. You know, you have enough actual workers. Um, Baron Corbin, Kurt Angle. I'm just going to be spoiling the last parts of this card for you, Stefan. I apologize right now. Okay. Uh, do you, I mean, do you want me to not? Oh, you missed a part that was a highlight for me, by the way. But we can come to it after. Uh, Baron Corbin, Kurt Angle. Uh, Kurt Angle's final wrestling match only went about six minutes. I was okay with how it ended. Let's put it that way. Um, Baron Corbin squashed him. Nah. Is it get out of here, old man who looks like a turtle? Uh, and Finn Balor versus Bobby Lashley um, went as long as it should have, and Bobby and Finn Balor as the demon at WrestleMania was pretty much why we were all watching at this point. We wanted to see the entrance on that. The screen they built, by the way, for this show was the largest screen I think humans have ever put together. That was a gigantic screen they had when they were walking out. And Balor looked awesome as the demon. The triple threat main event, uh, the ending was kind of anticlimactic. Um, they, I think they kind of fucked it up a little bit. I think there should have, I think it should have been more definitive, personally. But the crowd, honestly, it was a really good WrestleMania. Read they the subtext a, here, guys. Bobby doesn't want women in his main event mucking it up. No, man, they just they nah. did a really good job with this card. I just think they could have been a more definitive with the end. He wanted a clean. Yeah, that was a that was a great that was a great match. But I mean, I remember like I turned away for a second. It's like, oh wait, what? Becky won. Like, I, don't <gasps> know. I was trying to be spoiler free. Mike just ruined it. But yeah, I, I, got, I got people I got the, people don't know that Becky won by Tuesday. That's their fault. Personally, <laughs> I think Ronda for me, Mike. Yes, son. Uh, Ronda should have tapped. But the reason I get why they didn't. I would have loved that she tapped to that pin. <laughs> um, they, uh, I, I get the end game is that they want to do a rematch and maybe then Ronda comes back around August or whenever she does come back. She hasn't lost. She hasn't tapped out to her. We get a more definitive ending. But if they're trying to angle for something like that, maybe you have Becky beat Charlotte. But then, meh, I don't know. I guess they wanted her to beat Ronda in a way where Ronda kept her heat. Without tapping out, I don't know. No. I think there was. I think this was that. just Vince. Like, look at you, fucking fans, not watching my show anymore. Fine, we're gonna change the whole product. Guess what? All your heroes win. No, no heroes lose. But you know what? That last match is not gonna be satisfying. You're not gonna like it. You would rather have Char Charlotte Flair would have stolen it or some shit. I'm gonna serve you a steak, but it's a little overcooked. Um, I think this mania. Uh, I think the pre the pre show started at 2 p.m. my time. And I think the main event ended, Mike, was it like 12.15 your time? So like 9.15 my time? Maybe? Uh, the main event ended uh, It was after midnight. 12.30, maybe? 12.30. Yeah. So seven and a half hours. Wait, wait, Bobby. I know we were going super long, but I, I just want to talk about my second favorite moment of everything oh, I ahead. saw. Is, um, I knew John Cena was going to be involved somehow. Oh, shit. I forgot John Cena. And, <laughs> and how John Cena was involved surprised the shit out of me. When Elias came out and did his thing and it was just interrupted by this giant Babe Ruth montage, I had no idea where the fuck they were going with it. Because I thought it was Sam Punk. Footage, my silly ass, for some reason, thought it was somehow going to twist into Bray Wyatt returning, and that was way off as can be. Dude, I thought, it was CM, I thought it was CM Punk, for the love of God, because it was because they, like, you know, like the uh, CM Punk video when he's doing... Um... Cult of personality. It's like black and white with Mussolini and shit. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, we found old footage! <laughs> I didn't see it coming because of all the ways John Cena could be involved, he came back as the version that I liked of him when this is right before I stopped really following pro wrestling the first time. 
but it's my favorite version of John. He came out as the Doctor of Thugonomics version of John Cena, rapping, looking like Mark Wahlberg, and fucking, he's untouchable, Bobby, but he's forcing you to feel him. I, Word dude, life. I loved it. Basic Thugonomics, I love that John Cena. He did his freestyle rap thing where he even talked about how John Cena's going heel. Like, that was an amazing moment. Um, Cena, he was fun to boo when he's in, but man, Cena is a guy I never thought I would like him in his second act of his career as much as I have. Like, I buy him as an actor, as just like this everyday personality. I kind of always look at him like, yeah, you're no Austin, you're no Rock, but nah, now I'm sold on him. Like, He's a good dude. What did it? They said he had like his 600th make a wish kid at Six, this event. Or 619. Something. 619. Like the dude just does good work out there. I have nothing negative to say about the man. Um, and him coming I, back as the doctor of thugonomics was awesome. I had no idea what was going on with this thugonomics thing. Oh, and it was great. <laughs> I texted Bobby because I, I kind of thought, wait. The way people are applauding, I think this might be an old thing. So I just texted Bobby, was this like Cena's original gimmick? And it was, it well, was I mean, pretty good. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Get off of it. Well, the lore of John Cena, I mean, this has probably been, probably take what you will, it's WWE story, so probably all of it's bullshit. But what you have is they're saying that, like, because John Cena showed up and was just a guy and, like, was wrestling matches with no gimmick. And apparently, like, they were on the verge of, let's just, you know, the roster was bloated even then. This was post-WCW sale. They had, the whole roster was bloated. And that the word was they were going to get rid of John Cena. They were going to cut him loose. Because John Cena is much better in the ring now as he got older. But he was real clumsy. So they were going to cut him. And then they were on like a, a European tour where they all ride in a bus. And John Cena was just in the back rapping. Freestyling for fun. And uh, Stephanie McMahon heard it and said, can you just, can you do this? This is what you, like, you're, you know how to rap? And then she's he's like, yeah, and they came up with the white rapper gimmick. And that's kind of what, like, the it's like, and that's where the whole thing, like, how we became John Cena slowly. And it went from that to being more of about, like, a motivational speaker, for lack of a better term. You know, hustle, loyalty, respect, the most white meat baby face in history. But it was very Marky Mark and the Funky Bunches. That's where the jean shorts came in. That was, like, the whole inspiration of the look. He has an album. Um, yeah. Mike, it's a full so album. It was his original gimmick. <laughs> When he was in that gimmick, the era for WWE was called Ruthless Aggression. Um, and, like, he made a shout-out in his freestyle. Like, his finisher was called the FU. But then Linda decided to run for office, and then it became the whole PG era. So they kind of repackaged him as modern-day Hogan, and it became the attitude adjustment. And then he just became the good guy who always wins. Um, but, yeah, he was really fun as the white rapper guy when he was coming up. Um, I think I'm going to be checking uh, YouTube for some old uh, rapper John Cena clips. Yeah, you can find the freestyle where he freestyles about Stephanie being hot and then smacks her ass. Very weird to watch in this day and age when she's on the board of directors and, you know, he's Mr. Make-A-Wish. Um, all right, guys, this has been a really long podcast. We made Mark sit here and us talk about wrestling for about 40 minutes. It all the longest WrestleMania ever. Yeah, you know what? It was this appropriate. Um, I'm going to go watch... Oh, this championship game looks like it's coming to an end. Maybe I'll watch that. Thank you all for listening. We're going to be back next week. Somehow we're going to watch this fight. Um, I don't plan on ordering this one, so God willing, maybe Mike will. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Max Holloway's fighting. We'll always find a way to watch it. Be back next week. Three of us will be back next week. No DJ Mark next week, but we'll try to persevere without him. Um, and I imagine there's a card we'll be previewing. 
just law of large numbers says there is one um until that time thank you all so much for listening i was dr law kip presentable was here dj mark was here lavender gooms was here peace out see you